You know, it's funny that vulnerability is a powerful thing. Uh, it seems like a paradox because the world tells us that to hide your fears, mask your weakness, cover what you don't know will bring gain and power and worth. But the reality is that the most influential people are those willing to humble themselves and express their struggles um, because it speaks to our common experience. The interview you're about to hear is with someone who is willing to admit their brokenness and express a deep-rooted hope that brings lasting change. Uh, two things that we would request. If you like what you hear, please share. Uh, we do know that tons of people are going uh, through similar circumstances um, and have that uh, common experience with the interviewee. Um, also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support and it will carry you to a link where you can become a patron. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello folks, this is your host Corey Pelton and this is Fish Food, providing morsels of hope to a hungry world. Yeah, and and leaving a good situation is still loss. Right. Um, and uh, and so I was, you know, just trying to figure out how to how to navigate that. And you know, it's it's within those contexts that you know you either you either dry up, you know, and burn out, or you sink your roots deeper into your your relationship with the Lord. my pleasure in this episode to interview Dr. Timothy Lane. Uh, Tim Lane is the founder and president of the Institute for Pastoral Care and Tim Lane and Associates, which is a counseling practice located in Peachtree City, Georgia. He's a minister in the Presbyterian Church in America and has authored several books. One is called Living Without Worry, How to Replace Anxiety with Peace, and he's co-authored um, the book, How People Change, and Relationships, A Mess Worth Making, with Dr. Paul Tripp. We welcome today Dr. Tim Lane. Well, I'm here um, at Tim Lane and Associates, with Tim Lane in his office at Peachtree City, Georgia. I've never been to Peachtree City, Georgia. It's never been nice. here. Never been here. It's really nice. Yeah, it's kind of tucked away south of the airport. Yep. Yeah. Atlanta traffic wasn't bad today. It was no. a miracle. Amazing. Yeah, once you get down here, you, you're out of the beltway or the perimeter, so it's much nicer. And it's actually less dense down here than it is on the north side of Atlanta. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, but thank you, thank you. Good for, to have uh, you here, and thanks for coming down. Oh, my, my pleasure, my pleasure. I appreciate the, the time you've taken out to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So, Well, tell me, uh, you, you've had um, quite a wide range of experience in ministry and in counseling, and mm-hmm. could you just kind of walk me through your, your history of uh, what, you, what you have done and where you are today? Yeah, yeah probably, you know, Early on, I grew up in a military family, so I moved around a lot. So moving around and changes 
while most of them were positive, there were a few challenges when I was growing up, but uh, I'm used to moving around and changing. Um, and so that's been a part of my ministry career. But I, I uh, became a Christian in the late 70s, went to the University of Georgia, finished there in 84, and then I did campus ministry at Georgia for three years with a group called WDA, Worldwide oh, yeah. Discipleship Association. Sure. They're, they're located here in Fayetteville. Uh, the current president actually officiated the wedding for me and my wife back in 89. Um, but did three years of campus ministry at Georgia. Um, started Bible studies in the dorms that they're now demolishing. Um, and then after that went to Westminster Seminary 87 to 91. And I was at Westminster in Philadelphia. Great time to be there. Great profs, Tremper Longman, Tim Keller, Ray right. Dillard, Sinclair Ferguson. Dan McCartney, just a, a whole, you know, group of great profs. And um, towards the end of my third of four years, got connected with um, a pastor in Clemson, a guy named John Hall, and they called me to be the assistant pastor a year before I graduated. So I, I w went to seminary my fourth year knowing that I had That's a, sweet a job. Yeah, that was, that was nice. Um, so I ended up going to Clemson as the assistant in 91. John left in 93, and then they, of course, did a search, called me to be the pastor, and I, I was the senior pastor there until 2001, so 10 years in Clemson. Wow, excellent. Yeah. Um, then I was asked to, to uh, join the faculty at an organization in Philadelphia called CCF, the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, and was there 13 years, six working very closely with my friend Paul Tripp, co-writing and training and traveling, and then for six, seven years running the organization, and then had, a, had an opportunity to transition back to Georgia um, for a number of reasons. The timing was great. My wife and I had been away from Georgia, where we're both from, for 25 years, had a chance mm. to come back. She had a great opportunity in a family business to work there. I came back and I started uh, the Institute for Pastoral Care, which is a nonprofit and I, that focuses primarily on helping churches strengthen their pastoral care, Excellent. discipleship, counseling. Um, and then shortly after that, I started Tim Lane Associates because I realized that the pastors in the area wanted to send people to me for counseling. Mm. So I'm indirectly helping the church. But that aspect, what I'm doing right now, Tim Lane Associates, counseling people is actually helping me uh, when I'm traveling and speaking, you know, right. I'm writing out of current experience of working with people, couples especially, um, my writing that I continue to do, mm -hmm. and then just working with churches uh, that call me and say, we've got this pastoral situation. Do you have some counsel for how we can you know, better handle this situation, this couple, this individual? So I'm pulling those are together. Very, those are very minimal, though. You probably hardly get any <laughs> churches that are struggling. Like you know, that, it's right? it's it's uh, it's uncanny how people can find you, you know, through your website. But uh, <laughs> so what I'm doing is bringing together, you know, the pastoral ministry experience. I'm helping pastors, uh, sometimes pastors who are in difficult transitions. But I'm also doing proactive. Hey, I need help with this situation, whether it's an HR staff issue or pastoral counseling. Uh, situation, uh, executive leadership, just that experience is, you know, feeding into helping pastors think about their staff, uh, how to manage people, um, 
helping them grow out, out of my own successes and failures. Right. Um, but then uh, continue to do the counseling piece and then uh, continuing to travel and speak and write. So those are the things that I'm doing, uh, all, all within that genre of pastoral care. Right, uh, that's excellent. Yeah, and, in, and really over the past four years since we moved back, building that to a place where you know, I'm, I'm quite busy, which is good. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you are. And I was just thinking as you're talking about even, even the counseling part of it with the experience that you have, um, and you know your name is out there in, in the church circles mm-hmm. of, I can imagine that you could probably have a full-time job just in the counseling practice alone and over, yeah. overwhelmed with, with counseling. Yeah, and I, I um, purposefully you know, limit how many hours a week I do mm-hmm. so that I can do other things. I like to continue to read and develop new materials. I, I was just uh, at a campus ministry in Pennsylvania doing three days of teaching on emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So just being able to have time to sit, you know, step back and do some R&D reading and thinking and pulling together something that could be useful for that campus ministry. I had, I had the time to do that because I don't have, you know, 20, 30 hours of counseling. Right. Right. That's excellent. Yeah. That's really good. And I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes a variety of things. Mm -hmm. So being able to do all of those a little bit keeps me energized and excited about getting up each morning. Right. Right. Feeds into your extroversion, right? It does, yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Um, so between all these transitions, you've um, that's that's we talked a little bit um, previous to this just about how um, those transitions can create tension. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what that has looked like for you yeah. over, over these past years? Yeah, you know, even uh, uh, good partings, there's grief. Mm-hmm. Um and so I remember when I left pastoral ministry, um, I actually write about it in my book on worry, uh, Living Without Worry. It, it's a title that seems to promise too much. The subtitle says, How to Replace Anxiety with Peace. So it's a process, you know, and a long one at that. But I write about it in uh, that book, that transition, leaving pastoral ministry and going, moving my family, all, all young children, four young children, struggling with thankfully not clinical depression, but probably a degree of sadness, grief, you know, uh, subclinical depression. Uh, I remember just kind of being irritable and angry for a year or two. Right. And that, that, was leaving a, that was leaving a good yeah. situation. It wasn't yeah. a hard situation yeah. that, you've, uh, that you're leaving. This That's is right. a good situation. Yeah, and, and leaving a good situation is still loss. Right. Um, and uh, and so I was, you know, just trying to figure out how to how to navigate that, and you know, it's it's within those contexts that, you know, you either you either dry up, you know, and burn out, or you sink your roots deeper into your your relationship with the Lord, and um, you know, as an extrovert, um, that's that's something that I have to consciously think about because mm. I could try to get through it by just getting busy, right. you know, and keeping right. my mind off of the, the grief and the loss. Um, so let, let, let's take that one road of mm. going, you know, of the easier route 
um, of going of getting busier. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? What were the what were the um, uh, the bad effects of that, or what could that what did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I wasn't able to do that. I went from you know I, I describe it as a pastor. I was I was running on all eight cylinders uh, as a pastor. You know, pastoring, leading, counseling, preaching, just, just so many different things. Running a staff. And when I left to go to uh, the ministry in Philadelphia, I kind of went down to four cylinders. And I was actually on four cylinders for a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have the opportunity to get busy to avoid it. And that was actually a good thing. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I probably wasn't as self-aware at the time as I was many years later about what was going on. Right. Uh, but now when I look back on it, it was that, inability to get busy real fast that actually was a blessing that God was providing for me to kind of help me wrestle with and see, you know, uh, there's a sense in which you get your dignity from your work, but you don't want to get your identity from your work. Mm. And I was, I was wrestling with that as I was leaving pastoral ministry. There was a sense in which I probably had, you know, allowed the work to become more of my identity than my my relationship with the Lord. Right. So actually in a successful season of ministry, there were temptations that, you know, uh, I was facing. Right. Uh, and I, I look at that transition as a, uh, without even realizing it, in God's providence, kind of a, a rescue, right. you know. Right. Uh, and I think most transitions, even when they're difficult, can be viewed as God's rescue, you know. Yeah. But you don't see it at the time. Yeah. And I'm looking back, you know, many, many years at the transition from Clemson, and I'm able to see that now, which then helps me help other guys in transition. Right. You know. Right. Can you think, you know, it has been years ago, but can you think of any um, specifics, um, about you know God rescuing what 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 about Christ do you know now that you didn't know about Him mm. before that particular transition? Yeah, can you think of anything in particular? I, I I can. I mean, a lot of things. You you start to kind of make sense of the practical, tangible, palpable realities of the gospel. You know, and what do all these big words and doctrines mean in experience? You know, your justification, your adoption. Uh, the the ongoing presence and work of the Holy Spirit. And I think for me, um, what I've come to see more and more is the tender compassion of Jesus for me Mm. in my life, in those transitions. Um, I write about it again in the worry book. The last chapter in the book is Jesus speaking uh, in, in Luke 12, and he says, fear not. Or do not be afraid. And then he adds these two little words after that little flock. And that right there connotes tenderness, compassion, mercy, kindness. That's the gospel. Yeah. You know, and so and and the way that it gets worked out in my life is I'm I'm reminded of it, but then I even just without even verbalizing, I just express thanks to God. Thank you for being compassionate and tender with me. I'm struggling in this transition, Mm -hmm. 
and I want to make things right faster. But I know you care for me. I know you love me. I know you've got, you know, the best intentions for me. And sometimes that involves difficulty and suffering. Right. But that, do not be afraid, little flock. Hmm. You know, for my Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's how it goes on. You know, this promise, this future hope. But in the middle of that, little flock. We have such a hard time believing that for mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do too. I mean, in the midst of it, I'm talking about it semi-eloquently right now, (laughs) you know. But it's as I reflect back on what the struggle was like. But that tenderness and that all those gospel words, those doctrine words, are different facets of the way Jesus relates to us. That's really all they're capturing. Yeah. Um, And and they they get distilled very nicely into that little flock. Yeah. I care for you. I love you. I'm with you. you yeah. That's um, good. So. Wow. Well, what about, because you had another transition mm-hmm. when um, uh, coming down here from CCF and a little bit of a kind of a stepping out going, what's going to catch me? What's this going to look like? Yeah. Uh, t- tell me about that transition. Yeah. yeah so um, I watched my, my good friend Paul Tripp transition from CCF and he you know, started a, a ministry and, and really kind of used his gifts in ways that he he should have. I mean, it was a great move for him. Uh, as I was leaving, you know, I was trying to think about my gifts. Uh, I had considered doing pastoral ministry, you know, so I was open to that. And, um, you know, there's about a year transition. Uh, but when I when I got here to Atlanta, I thought, you know, I think I might uh, be better suited at this point in my life. I'm in my mid to late fifties now, you know, of coming alongside and helping other pastors and churches. And, uh, and then I also wanted to continue out of my experience. I wanted to continue to write and then, uh, just enjoy traveling and speaking. But when I travel and speak, I'm always spending time with pastors and their staff. So I just thought, you know, I really enjoy doing that. And I think I could be of service with my background experience, but it was it was stepping out in faith because no one was telling me, hey, we'll cover your pension and your <laughs> health insurance and we'll pay you a salary on a weekly basis. Right. So um, it was a real step of faith, again, for someone who likes to be busy and productive and get things done. That's how I'm wired. It started out very, very slow. Was it a hurry up and wait because you, you know, getting whatever you had to do done and then going, okay, so I still, I still don't have clientele. I still don't have. Yeah. 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 What was a speaking request going to come in? Uh, you know, I didn't really start counseling, um, for a year after we moved here. Yeah. Uh, one of, some of that was the transition and then, uh, but I started seeing the need, and as I was attending church that we were attending, the pastor was saying, "Can I send this individual your way?" Or I've got you know someone in the community that's looking for a counselor, do marriage counseling, individual counseling. So I did that, uh, really motivated in that way, and it just started taking off. Wow! Uh, I and I've moved three times in terms of offices in three years because you know it just kept growing and and opportunities kept kept. Uh, emerging but yeah it was a 
it was just a slow ramp up. Um, but in, you know, in the process, I've been able to, I've had the time to step back and write. Um, and uh, that's been, that's been a, a real blessing. And not many people get, get that kind right. of opportunity to just have the time to think and write and have you know a good publisher that my publishers in the in the in the UK the good book company and just having good editors and good feedback and going back and forth with the manuscript you know 10 20 times that's a that's a nice luxury to be able to do that so I'm very I'm very fortunate uh, and thankful for that good so I mean in some ways that transition from Clemson to CCF the CCF to what you're doing now mm -hmm. are similar in the sense that you know, being an extrovert, you're wanting to do a lot, but all of a sudden having to stop yeah. and reflect. Yeah. Um, this has been a more recent reflecting. How has it been different than Clemson to CCF? Yeah. You know, I think um, I'm, I, was a, I was a little bit older first. Um, a little more panic then because you're older? <laughs> or less panic? No. In the sense of, you know, I, I find that I'm, I'm 50 mm -hmm. and... Uh, between callings right now yeah. and I felt like oh, you know, for the first time probably in my life I'm having to think through okay who am I in a different way that I've ever had to think about that before mm -hmm. so you know stepping from CCF into what feels like nothingness uh -huh. I mean there had to be a sense of okay I'm this age yeah. what's next I mean that's a little bit different than yeah um, so I think I think the difference in that transition was I just had I had more experience. I had been working different gift sets, so I was in a place where I could actually even entertain. Mm. Do I want to go back into pastoral ministry to be on staff of the church to pastor a church, or do I want to take my experience and you know uh, uh, develop? Uh, a, a ministry that could, you know, be of service to other people in pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. So that the difference was, I had, I had more experience to work off of, you know. And thankfully, I had I had written several books, and so that meant my name was out there some. I don't mean that in a sure, self-aggrandizing sure. way or you know arrogant way, but people knew about me because of how people change relationships and that's worth making. And that was helpful as well. Right. Um, and then, you know, landing in a good church here and the church being supportive. The pastor of the church has been tremendous. Um, I've been able to preach there occasionally and teach Sunday school and, you know, just be involved at that level, keeping things real at a local level. That's been helpful. So what, um, in this transition then, what, do you, what about Jesus do you know more because of this transition? If you could build on... Mm -hmm. um, what you've learned this time yeah. around? I think my, I think my trust in his redemptive providence and his redemptive sovereignty has deepened. Mm -hmm. You know, yet again in this transition, he has been faithful, yeah. and he's been compassionate and tender and encouraging and he's open doors you know um when you're when you're working on staff of the church organization you know where your money's coming from you know just getting very very basic when you do what i did 
you don't know where it's coming from. And I had a, a much greater appreciation for people who start small businesses, the risk that yeah, they take. Sure. You know, and one of the one of the prayers I would find myself as I was driving around here in South Atlanta, you know, I'd get a speaking event that would come in. I would I would pray in a way that I'd never prayed before, and it was that daily manna. Mm. You know, what the Israelites got day in and day out, you know, this daily provision. Lord, where's the manna coming from? Yeah. But but knowing that I had to depend on him in a way that I'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all a part of, I don't have a guaranteed paycheck, but God used that to one, make me appreciate what other people go through, yeah. but then to say, all right, I really do have to depend upon you. Mm-hmm. And, and then to see the manna, you know, being provided uh, ultimately, you know, not to wax spiritual here, but to know that the, the real manna had already been given. I mean, I had Jesus and he was with me again, that, that right. tender compassion that I, I had to constantly go back to, mm. you know. You know, it feels sometimes like, I think that, you know, especially coming out of seminary and, and having your terminology set mm-hmm. and, and uh, landing with a solid, good platform of strong, good theology is that sanctification then begins to look like what you're talking about is that deepening yeah. effect. It's, the the theology doesn't change. It's, uh-huh. It just gets deeper and richer, and yeah. um, as he as he grows us up, and um, there had to be some excitement for you of going taking. Okay, here's where God's gifted me. Here are the different mm-hmm. areas. Maybe pastoral ministry is not the thing for me right now. So I want to use those giftedness. I'm going to step out in faith. There had to be some sort of an excitement. Yeah. Um, and and a different kind of trust, I guess. Then moving from job to job, ministry to ministry. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to something that you're you're able to take your creative influences and your your background mm-hmm. and form it into something that you enjoy and, and want to pass on to others. Yeah. That had to be kind of exciting and scary at the same time. Yeah, I mean, sure. you have this combination of exhilaration and deep anxiety you right. know, coming together. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in that, you know, all the theology and all the Bible knowledge, it can either go out the window and you just go on autopilot or it can get more real. You can, uh, it's, it's that existential reality that, all these doctrines and all this Bible knowledge that I've been spewing for years, you know, is actually connecting and I'm experiencing it. Mm. And as a result, I think I'm better able to help other people. And that's not, it's, it's in the blessings and the difficulties where you, you're wanting to remain dependent. And that's, I think that's the challenge. Yeah. When things are going well, going all autopilot, when things aren't going well, get busy and just kind of, you know, burrow in and push your way through it. And I can do either of those, right. you know, and I've, and I've struggled with both of those, but in the midst of that, also experiencing more that, that kind of living reality of what it means to be in a relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Well, you, you, you're talking about coming alongside others, having that rich experience, having that... Um, appropriating Christ mm-hmm. um, in your situations and, and being that for others. You know, one of the one of the passages that really has become an impetus and, and actually God using 
uh, you and Paul Tripp and, mm-hmm. and uh, the books that you've written in the past to um, be the impetus for why this podcast exists. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't even know it. Didn't. That's um, encouraging. And one, one of the passages, you know, one of the passages that um, I go back to time and again is that Second Corinthians one that says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort." who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted mm-hmm. by God. Just the, um, the, the afflictions that we go through uh, are our afflictions, mm-hmm. um, and we own them, but at the same time there's an aspect of them that is also meant to be a help to other people. Yeah. Um, and and it sounds like you know what you're saying, and in both your transitions is going. Yeah, I mean, God has God has has helped me um, have a heart of empathy for people mm-hmm. going through yeah loss yeah to be able to come alongside yeah. them in, in ministry. Yeah. Um, what can that look like for the the person in the pew? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how how does a person glean? what that passage is saying and, and the, the experience they have of God's mercy in whatever experience mm-hmm. that both blessing and, mm-hmm. and hardship mm-hmm. to be able to come alongside other. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're talking about loss and grief. Um, and I mentioned to you earlier, I lost my younger brother in 2007 um, to addiction and then lost my dad somewhat unexpectedly in 2017. So other, you know, uh, issues of grief, um, and uh, you know, the older you get, there's just no way you're going to avoid grief. It just happens, and it's going to happen the longer you live, the more you live. And um, mixed with the blessings and the joys of being a Christian, uh, I think what happens is it, it does capture what Paul's saying there. He, through all of that, he's experiencing more and more. God's comfort for him in Christ. And as a result, you know, if you're experiencing it and it's meeting you in places where it's keeping you humble when things are going well, but it's keeping you dependent and close to, to God when things aren't going well, um, that experience, if you're, if you're intuitive enough to slow down and name it, actually makes you more empathetic because then you can identify more readily with someone else's experience. Never completely, but in some measure you can. And I think what that does as well is it, it enables you to sit with people better than to try to come in and do a quick fix or to try to change their emotions. Right. And that's empathy. You know, sitting with someone and identifying with them in the midst of their suffering. And that's what Paul's talking about in Second Corinthians 1. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's scores of books out there on emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the language of emotional intelligence in Scripture. Yeah. Um, knowing my emotions and naming them enough, identifying them enough, both the positive and negative emotions. As I'm doing that, I'm growing in wisdom self-awareness, self-knowledge, uh, experiencing the grace of Christ, I'm able to better do that with another person. And so for the person in the pew, it's, that's, that's, what, that's what they need to be experiencing. So are they, are they being helped 
right. to slow down enough to be reflective, to be thoughtful. And again, as an extrovert, you know, that doesn't come natural to me. So I, you know, I have to really practice slowing down. Um, and for people to be able to slow down, to not self-medicate, to avoid the pain, you know, and just to live for the, the positive emotions, to be able to do that is going to make them more effective and helpful as a parent, a spouse, a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a lot of what I've been learning, I'd say, over the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, do you think that the, the, even the, you know, that kind of gives me a hopefulness in my affliction as well, is mm-hmm. that, you know, God is using this for something. This yeah. isn't just for not. Yeah. You know, it's not his mean hand um, allowing me to go through this, but there's actually not only something beneficial to me, but beneficial for other people as mm-hmm. well. And that, that, that gives me a real hopefulness to, mm-hmm. um, um, to be able to, to, you know, use what God is doing as mercy and comfort to mm-hmm. outside of myself. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's much easier to say yeah. years on the other side of the experience, you know. Um, and so I try to encourage guys that are going through transitions, whether they be positive or, you know, negative, to say there is another side. You know, you're going to get through this. And when you do, you're going to look back and you're going to say, okay, I, I can see how this has put me in a very different place, in a much better place. Um, I used to, I think Edith Schaefer, I, I, I was influenced a lot by the writings of French Schaefer, but Edith Schaefer talks about it, this idea of a tapestry. If you look on the back side of it, it looks like a mess. But if you look around at the front side of the tapestry, it's just this beautifully woven, you know, textile that just, it makes a lot of sense, but on the back side, that's where we typically are. We don't get to see the front side until many years later. The other one I come back to a lot is just the whole idea of a, you know, trees in wintertime. They, they don't look alive. And you look at the top of the trees, there are no leaves, there's no green foliage, but what's happening in the wintertime is those roots are sinking deeper into the soil mm. so that when that new spring growth happens, it's able to bear the weight of it yeah. because blessings our weight as well. You know, there are vata temptations connected to right. blessing. You kind of go autopilot, get dependent, and and so those are those are images that that I've and metaphors that I've held held on to uh, through seasons, you know, winter seasons of life. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so. really good. Clinging to those things, mm-hmm. yeah, clinging to to the hopefulness of Christ mm-hmm. in those things. Um, thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful. I appreciate the fact that um, you have been able to uh, walk through these transitions, and and even though, and I don't like what you say about sometimes it's not till years later looking back and going, oh yeah, this mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what God was doing. But to be, even to be able to process that and and uh, and appropriate Christ in that, and and how helpful that is, and I'm mm-hmm. appreciative of you and what you're doing, how God is using you. Um, to minister to pastors mm-hmm. and to churches, um, and just the wealth of information, practical information mm-hmm. that um, that is a huge help well, to, to Christ Church today. I appreciate it. That's kind of you to say. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fish Food. Two things to remember if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. Also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Simply go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support. That will take you to a link so that you can become a patron. And again, thank you for the support.